It's a movie about us three. Airheads, yes. not the candy. Yep. So that's what I meant. Like, how do we how do we make this happen? As in, how do we like take hold of a radio station and get our song on the air? Yeah, that's well, become legend. Horizon is is like public radio nowadays with all these probably streaming things. So we should probably five years late. Yes, we should probably just like do a podcast instead. You know, yeah. maybe we'll just people, do a podcast about it. Yeah, maybe people will listen to that. Hey, welcome. Here we are. It's Indecisive Opinions. Oh my God. Listen to that. Segway. The masters of the segways. The first of the Paul Blarts. The original of the Farley brothers. We got loads of things and people and stuff and antics in this film that we can check off as first timers. Check off R.I.P. Anton Yelchin. Because uh, uh, fun... Fun little little film that I've probably like. Just I think I've known this film my like my whole life. Seriously, yeah. I've just it's it was always on like HBO or Encore, one of those non-commercial love and movie channels when I was younger. And anytime it would be on, I would just like I'd put it on, I'd watch it. You know, m- movie geek kind of shit. Hell yeah, you're a lucky son of a bitch. I do, I was subjected to watching it on fucking Comedy Central. So I mean, I did commercials that too, but yeah. turned into uh, turned into you know an hour and thirty eight minutes turned into two and a half hours with yes. commercials. But um, mm. but yeah, that's it was before you hopped on. Joey and I were talking about this, you know, just like kind of his rewatch, and he's like, "Yeah, I've only seen this a few times." Um, so that'll be cool to get kind of that person's like feedback where it, based on what you're saying, Mike, you've seen this forever. I've also seen this forever. It's just one of those movies ingrained, not only because of the actors that are in it, which were staples of our childhood. Oh yeah. Just the, the concept of the film alone, you know, like is yeah. fucking bat, it's bat shit, but it's amazing. <laughs> like shit, dude, die hard meets fucking like dog day afternoon meets fucking trapped in paradise meets something else involving musicians and hostage meets- situations. <laughs> Yeah, uh, John John Q. Fucking, I don't know. Like, Yo, John like, Q. <laughs> it's just like, and it's we're a... bringing in our first entourage reference with Kevin Connolly, Eric Murphy, who was in the film John Q. Here we are, folks. Yes, that is a that's a good deep cut that you pulled up there. So, so Joey, when's the first? When's the first and the last of this? So I, mean, I think I think the first time I watched this was like, well, I was I was really into like silly well not maybe not well yeah silly band movies like when i was younger like around the eight nine age range and i think it's like the first time i saw it but i've only seen it probably like maybe three or four maybe four or five times throughout my life and the last time i watched it i think i was probably like 17 or something like that it was just on like comedy central or something yeah and and it was like oh man i forgot how much i love this movie and yet again it's, it's like oh shit i forgot how much i love this movie i need to watch it more yeah. It's just so good. It's just got everything you want. Like you said, it's got that fucking awesome, like, it's die hard, dog days type of shit going on. You know, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's, got, it's got, like, several different things going on, but it's just, it's great. It's a, it's a nice little, another little, like, clusterfuck of a movie of a bunch of things coming together. And it's silly. It's definitely a silly band movie. Oh, yeah, well, dude. It's fucking awesome. Can't lie about that. It's a bunch of things, a bunch of silly things, and a bunch of fucking like actors and actresses like 
this this is I would again not necessarily like an encore cast, but pretty damn near close for children of the the late eighties and nineties, yeah, or, or mid eighties and nineties. What the fuck ever, dude. It's this insane. is big, big deal. It's for, insane for a lot of nineties uh, stars. Like this is the first. Yeah. This is the first thing that they've been. I don't. It's the first thing Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler have been in, let alone Chris Farley with Adam mm-hmm. Sandler and Steve Buscemi. And then like the first thing Brendan Fraser has been in with all of those guys. And you can go on and clearly witness the <laughs> plethora of films. The Sandman has done with Farley and Buscemi since and, and before the late Farley's passing, of course, but it's just really amusing when I was really young. I didn't think of this as like their first roundup, you know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I mean, I was two years old when this movie came out, so I didn't see it then. But, like, I knew of Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, uh, Wedding Singer, probably, like, The Waterboy was one of my first conscious, like, five-year-old memories of that movie coming out. So I never, I just, I thought this movie was after that. Like, oh, yeah, they're all friends, so they're in this movie together. Nope. This is where they met. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that that is right? the question. It, that that is the question. Literally, <laughs> dude, it's Brendan Fraser's on the rise of like being Hollywood leading man. He just did School Ties and Encino Man. I think was like right before this, and so they got big hotshot, sexy Brandon Fraser, and then everyone else just seems like they're part of the Sandler crew. So how what would I know when I'm six? It's just, it's just, hey, it's that guy that's in every movie. Maybe I'll write a song about it someday. Who knows? You know, basically. <laughs> I don't, you don't, you don't realize it. You know, it's just, it's just something that I don't know when that clicked. It was like maybe when I was like 12, some 13, some teenage years of like seeing this movie a dozen times, then realizing like, wait a minute, this is, this movie's from 1994. Billy Madison was like a year later. This is where That's, all these fuckers met. Holy it's shit. Cra- it's crazy actually hearing that out loud. Because I hope whatever, I it's like, somebody's mind listening right now. No, they should. They, it should be. It <laughs> yeah. should be because it's like, I feel like, you know, when you pull it up, you know, you pull it up on fucking HBO, wherever the fuck you're watching it, it always lists like the year that the movie's released. And yep. it's almost like you pass by it. You don't acknowledge it. But then hearing you say it out loud, it's like, this movie was released in 1994. It's like, Okay, wow. I I knew that subconsciously and the the, the cast is 110% screams 1994. I know. And, you know, it's just like it's fucking wild. It's fucking wild. wild. So 90s, bro. Yeah. So that's why I love it. Uh and a million other reasons we will get to now. But um jeez, I mean, ugh, I really we- love how great like the acting is is in this movie though, too. Well, that's like, what's that's what's funny is you really seeing like the connection of like these guys already just like like yeah they're actors whatever you know but they they seem uh, like they do seem like they're kind of in a band honestly yeah yeah this seems like they've known each other for a long time you know and they've yeah. been buddies for a minute you know or maybe they've just done a bunch of other movies together but nope this is the first no one. this is the yeah. <laughs> It's definitely always mind blowing thinking about it. It's crazy that. the chemistry just right off the bat. And then like how you see it nowadays where it's just like, yeah, these guys just are always together, you know? 
Oh my god, dude. I mean, you don't watch a Sandman movie without like hoping Steve Buscemi's gonna pop up or else what are you doing? You know? Exactly. He's at least in it for like four seconds saying something silly, you know. <laughs> also, not to mention Alan Cover is in a good like minute of this movie, who's in oh, every yeah. fucking yeah. Sandler movie. They have Wait, hold on a minute, hold on. I, I got it. I'm glad you brought that up because that scene, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like Adam Sandler's role in this movie, but oh, like we can, we can that specific each person. When dude, that, made. that specific scene with those two is it's one like, of the funniest scenes. It's yeah. one of the funniest because like it totally encapsulates like the comedy <laughs> that like Adam Sandler brings to the table. Whoever wrote that fucking scene doesn't matter. I don't give yeah. a shit. The way it was executed with those two pantomiming each other, like fucking, was unbelievably Dude, it's, hilarious. It's like foreshadowing it's so of, fucking the, of good. the future so good. of their, uh, of you know, their chemistry, their partnership, whatever you want to call it. Just the two of those guys. How you know he, he's in so he's in everything. I mean, and then you you know then you get Dante and 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 Jonathan Lothran and stuff and all the other like small time regulars that you only see in mm-hmm. sandler movies or death proof i guess uh but you know yes it is <laughs> uh, that dude's little lazy eyes so funny but this is this is like the start of it this is before you knew those dudes you get one little scene with cover and sandler and it's just like this is so weird why is this this is funny why do they know each other so well how are they pantomiming perfectly? It was so good. It was so good. That's definitely a good one. I, uh, I think it's, I think it's funny too how Sandler's like the drummer. We know him as a guitar player from SNL around this era. Like, don't think anyone's seen him as a drummer, and he's not like the lead. This is before he was in charge of like everything he was in. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just he was just an actor at this point. He's just a dude. And he's not even, and he doesn't even, you can tell when he yells, there's like the one time where he's like, that kind of hurt my throat. And it's just like, every time you do that voice Sandler, it seems like it hurts your throat, honestly, but like he doesn't do it too much in this. He doesn't, he's not like Sandler yet. If he that hasn't makes perfected sense, the you know? technique yet. <laughs> he's not full blown Sandman in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of remember looking back on it when I was younger, I didn't make the connection of like him or Steve Buscemi. I mean, obviously that's the anomaly that is Steve Buscemi as he blends into every role perfectly because he's a character actor God. And we'll get onto that soon for an hour and a half, but mainly <laughs> how Adam Sandler also just blended into the like shy guy, stupid drummer brother role or whatever you want to call it. You know, like, like Brandon mm-hmm. Frazier is clearly the lead and they make it out. Like he's the singer, he's the lead, you know, guitar guy, etc. classic stereotypes. But I yep. just, I just watched the movie like, Oh, this is fun. And then there's the really dorky douchebag from best in show is in it. Ha 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 ha. Like I, <laughs> I, I didn't really make the connection of like Sandler and Buscemi being like the rhythm section when I was really young. Cause they just, they were very good characters, I guess somehow it just kind of wasn't on my radar, but I liked it. It wasn't like, Oh, I don't know who these guys are. They just weren't like as huge as Brendan Fraser was at the time when I was growing up, he was fucking huge in the nineties, dude. Like mm-hmm. literally one of the, when he did the mummy, it's like the biggest movie star on the planet. Probably. Mm-hmm. Game and the and the and the mummy returns i mean both Just of those the franchise Lou. the, yeah, the franchise, fran- the franchise is what i mean 
Well, I mean, like, I don't know how, like, you know, the Scorpion King holds up to the Mummy Returns. He was the Mummy, in, but that's right. I'm yeah. just saying, you said the franchise. The that's part of the franchise. It's the part of the franchise. Two. He did a franchise. Yes, he's he's a franchise man. That was that was his first franchise. The, he also did George of the Jungle and fucking Dudley Do Right and Blast from mm-hmm. the Past. Yes, he did. Among among a plethora of other good uh uh Frasier films, but like. I don't know. I just some something about these two guys blending in when I was younger that it was just wow. They really are. They really do different shit in like each movie. You know, Sandler's got he's got his little voices that he does every now and then. And it's just like oh, there's none of that in this, but he's still a character. Thankfully, yeah, I know, or else <laughs> Lou would have hated it. But, Thankfully, but he's definitely still like doing something, and it's just. It's it's diverse. He's not doing that one note thing that you yeah. clearly get annoyed by. And and Steve Buscemi is just he's doing exactly what he does. He he he's he blends in. And they're brothers, which is crazy in this movie too. It's like And then they became brothers in real life. <laughs> exactly. And they live together in the movie too. So it's it's just it, it's very interesting how it's like the, you 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 said it perfectly. It's foreshadowing for essentially how their careers would both intertwine together. Also, yeah. uh, between Buscemi and, and Sandler um, in this uh, in this film, kind of jumping off because again, they're in a band together. They're brothers, and they live together. It's like fucking perfect. They commit felonies together. It's great. Yeah, you know, know, it's yeah. Just, that's the stage <laughs> for, uh, for what's fucking, to come. They're in every fucking scene together, dude. They probably became fast friends. I remember. Uh, last year for the the firefighters donation that Steve Buscemi does every year on 9-11, fucking Kevin Smith was moderating and he just, one of the, you know, Kevin Smith's just obviously done dogma. We love him. But he's he's great at this and he's asking all the right questions and he just literally goes, so Adam Sandler, how did that happen? (laughs) He's just like, how did this, how did this happen? What is, what is, what is this lifelong love that you guys, this relationship that that clearly quickly happened between you two, and he's literally like, "Oh yeah, you know, Michael Michael Lemon, the director, like he we met on the set of Airheads, and it was just and and he basically said, I just thought he was hilarious. Steve Buscemi was just like, I just always thought Sandler was fucking funny. Like mm-hmm. it didn't matter what he did, he was just like, this guy's outrageous. I don't know if he knew at the time he was gonna be." like the you know what what he became sandler yeah, sure but he clearly was just like this dude is really funny he makes me laugh i like hanging out with him i'll i'll do any role basically and he just and he says that he's like so so how do you get how do you do those movies he just call you up and it's like hey are you available and steve's like yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's just so funny dude that's what everybody wants you know to just also see that they're real friends and again this is the first movie so who knew that that would actually be real who knew that that chemistry would strike like a match so quickly it is is palpable it's a match made in heaven match made in he- it really is though honestly like every I mean, look at all the shit they've done together man whether it's you just- don't like yeah whether you don't like all Sandler movies or whatever his characters his voices looking at Lou whenever Steve Buscemi pops up in one of those you're just it's it's great like he's great he's always somebody different and weird and it seems like why would you not want to do these movies with this dude he's just giving you these fucking roles that are 
ridiculous and like barely there too you know another reason why the dude is in every movie and you don't realize it because he's just fucking a random bum going down the fucking streets of new york city in his grocery cart with a bunch of plastic bags and shit and then throw the sticks so you can fuck up the bum you know like that's him for anyone else out there that didn't realize Egg McMuffin Buscemi was in, <laughs> didn't realize he was in Big Daddy. Now you know he is in that movie, and uh, I'm pretty sure he was busy doing Fargo for Happy Gilmore, and that's how they got Joe Flaherty in that role because that clearly should have just been Steve Buscemi. But otherwise, he's in everything else. He's a god. All these guys are gods. They're all great. I could talk about all of them for so long. So, what what are your thoughts on like the time period in which this took place? Because like. I know the nineties. Well, we're all well specifically like like L.A. Because like I know that we're kind of Nakatomi Plaza. Sure, exactly. I mean, the building behind him is pretty fucking obvious what that is when they roll up at night. You can see it art, you know, arching its way up in the background. No, I'm talking about specifically the music scene because like it kind of walks this weird line between like the the dying breaths or the death throes of like 80s hair metal into like the 90s as well as like you know you get that nice little like tinge of like motorhead in there oh, obviously yeah. you know degenerated reagan youth like but it, there's still like a healthy amount of like four non-blondes covering van halen <laughs> sure there, there's there's no, also no, hardy dose I'm I'm saying for the sake of this conversation, yes. Like <laughs> aside from that, I'm talking about like the shit that none of us listen to, like the '80s hair shit that that or the late '80s hair shit that has worked its way in there. You know, like kind of the more vanilla y bland type shit. Um, I want to ask you guys' opinion <laughs> about that. If we're not Millie Vanilla. We ain't doing the Millie Vanilla. Lip stinking. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I know. I I definitely always enjoyed that when I was younger because yeah, I never listened to a lot of that specific kind of music, but it was like, it's just like the, you know, as the kids these days would say, the aesthetic of what these guys are doing. Like, they're, Oh yeah. They're, they're, 100%. they're dressed however the fuck they want. They got dumb tattoos that they can't really account for most of them having much meaning. They got to have long hair and like wearing fucking leather jackets and cut off shirts and whatever. And it's just a vibe of like, these guys are in a band doesn't matter of what they listen to like they clearly are in the scene and they like and they like what they like or whatever you know they go to shows they're putting it out there but like i can't say i listened to lots of anthrax or white zombie or reagan youth <laughs> back mm-hmm. back then when i first saw i can say i listened to the ramones back then that's for sure mm-hmm. oh they yeah got, they got a song in the fucking credits, I can say Hell that. Yeah. But otherwise, it's me like looking around, being like, "Yo, Steve Buscemi's holding up white trash, two heaps and a bean in that one scene. That's fucking cool." Hey, Beavis and Butthead are calling in <laughs> in that one scene. Like, I know them. You know, it was very much just like the MTV era of me growing up in it that I enjoyed everything surrounding it, even if like the music they were playing wasn't my favorite cup of tea. It's uh. You know, it's kind of the opposite of that thing you do, where if you don't like the song, that thing you do, you're going to fucking hate the movie because they play it 15 times in the movie and you hear it like all 15 of those times. This movie, you literally don't hear their song until the very end of the film. Which yeah. is great. The whole, the whole time you're Which wondering, is great. do these guys actually fucking suck? Are they a bunch of dumb fucking goobers and are like idiots that are just desperate as fuck? 
or are they actually like do they actually maybe have a good song that maybe Brandon Fraser could write it and skate off his whole life and the rest don't matter, you know? Like See, I, I really right? like that that's how they did it though. Yeah, you're, no, you're waiting in mean. anticipation like, the whole time. It's perfect. Perfect it is, fucking it execution. It is perfect. It is. That's why like I love that thing you do obviously, but it's very much the opposite of how like we oh, as the writer of the movie, we don't need a song to anchor this movie that we need to play constantly throughout the film you know let's barely tease it and then finally like a big reveal at the end of like oh here's the song so it's just it's just an overall vibe of like yeah it's 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 not my scene but but i respect it man i'd be there too you know we've played oh, yeah. sh- we've played shows like this you got to play shows with bands that aren't your exact sound or like something that's giving you a complete raging musical boner over it but you can see them up there and if they're real and if they're in the moment and shit and if they're passionate like it's you can tell it's not being faked and uh listen man anything steve buscemi is involved in i fucking believe him a hundred percent of the time he is he is for sure rex from pantera in this movie like a thousand percent rex Rex brown rex brown yeah that's it dude i don't know about you joey you can probably dude i I like the response I, I well I'll, I'll try to make it a little longer, but I like the way you put all that. Man. I mean, yeah, the music to me really doesn't matter too much because they they really do just fit the image that they're trying to like portray in this whole movie. It's just I it's really good. I like some of the songs. Obviously, there's like yeah, like yeah. you said Head and some some fucking Ramones. That shit's awesome. I love that. But there are some songs in here that are just like man, you know, not my thing. Not my thing, but you know what? They enjoy it and they're rocking hard. They're fucking actually like trying to be legit, you know? They're really trying to go somewhere. You can see that they're trying, and it's just I be legit. Too legit to quit. Too legit to quit. I know exactly. It's just pretty great. Something about that, if that helps it for you, Lou. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys both were were kind of on that same. We're all on the same wavelength. And I think that that's really what's cool about this from a musician's perspective, because obviously we're we're watching it as fans of the people in the movie. Yes, you t- you you touch upon it, Mike. It's like we're watching this also as musicians and oh, yeah. musicians who are out there trying to make a fucking trying to get our fucking message out there, trying to get our voice heard. So, and even though we're not doing it in like the the late eighties, early nineties, whatever. We're doing this now in 2022 from 2020 to 2022. We're doing that. So it's like cool to watch it through that lens where it's like, yeah, although it's like not every fucking song in here is to my tune. It's like, I respect the fact, I I think the biggest thing that I respect about Brendan Fraser's like whole vibe here is like when he's like, he's like, yeah, why are you calling trying to broker a fucking record deal? You know, I want this yeah. on my own terms, I lo- you know, I do love non-solicited that. or whatever the fuck. Yeah, like, unsolicited that's record Unsolicited, deal. like, and that's that's cool. Like, that's why I also like how he made a big fuss when, like, fucking, you know, your boy Bender comes in with a goddamn record contract. And he's like, you haven't <laughs> fucking heard the song yet. You haven't heard the single. Like, why are you signing me? I could be, you know, fucking, you know, my uh, our drummer farting on a fucking snare drum. You know, like, that to me I don't want to fart on great. a snare drum, guys. But that's exactly. but that that's the I, I love his attitude about it because it's like I want to know that you like what we're doing. That makes me respect like some of these other like indie like you know label owners, whether it's Mike, um, you know anyone yeah, at fucking Epitaph, like exactly, uh, yeah. Asian Man Records, like whomever. Like I appreciate and respect the fact that it's like 
they believe in the bands. They understand the music and they like the music. It's not just a fucking suit. I mean, that's or that's I'm going to make money off your kind of shit. Exactly. That's why, because that's us. We don't we don't want somebody to just be like, yeah, hey, you guys are cool, and then it's like, yo, which song do you like? And then they're like, uh, the one about Cheers. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's a <laughs> that's a cover, no, homie. That's that's what that's we didn't. In, okay, you think we invented that? Jesus, you weren't alive in the '90s, apparently. Yeah, it's just you know we 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 like that actual feedback of like yo you like this shit yeah because we're so fucking new we don't know what we're doing we're not gonna go hold up a record station and throw a fucking evergreen on the air like it's just I, I mean, mean we could it's an, we, um, we're still like a very real thing and like going on everybody was listening to radio stations Listen, I, how do we know, how do we do that go in there with a water gun and try to take over the place and be like yo. Hey, I'm all right. So, listen, so we're gonna hold. So next probable, week, okay. I'm just saying, next week we're gonna hold. Relax. Is that the, the, is that the game plan? W E Q X. We're gonna hold that up. We're gonna find out that they're going to soft radio. They're transitioning, and we're gonna save them. I love that whole. Dude, that is that is also so legit though. That's what's frightening is how many radio stations growing up in the late '90s or early 2000s suddenly just transitioned out of like hard rock. To like soft rock shit, at least around the area. I know you guys probably weren't in Albany the whole time back then, but like, dude, that happened to so many stations. It's the same like, thing. Oh, yeah, dude. this one's cool, dude. I'll turn it on and they'll play like Motorhead, and then suddenly I turn it on, it's fucking Oasis, the exact opposite, the literal worst music on the fucking planet. And I'm just like, ah, oh, cool. Yeah, well, this sucks now. Fuck me. Yeah, we had a lot of that shit in Syracuse area. We and had stations that switched format. Yep. Yeah, dude, it was literally like the exact time of it. And it's just really funny how fucking whoever the random screenwriter dude who like wrote this like really nailed a lot of real life relevant shit that was going mm-hmm. on. Whether it's the music or the radio stations or, you know, the, the clothing, the, the scene, the aesthetic, whatever. Clearly, how a fat police officer would act if he is in the middle of a mosh pit. <laughs> all very realistic. That's all I'm saying. Clearly, clearly. Well, this I think now too. It's like Joey. I don't think you know this. Mike knows this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But like another reason why this movie was a huge deal to me was because like I I worked at a radio station for a few years and like oh my god it, it, what it was yeah it was towards the end it was towards <laughs> the end of like. You know, I mean, radio essentially at this point, like with the exception of independent radio, which that's who I worked for. I worked for a small independent radio conglomerate in Syracuse, WOLF Radio, um, Fox W-O-F, Communications. Fox Communications, and, uh, live with the Lou Dog. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the deuce. It, it, it was Louis Vega, if you must fucking know, asshole. But uh, no, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. But this was cool because I'm seeing this radio station like again on this on the rewatch to to fucking prep for this. I'm rewatching it, dude. The fucking radio station I worked in was basically a fucking double wide trailer. In like it sat underneath <laughs> an enormous fucking like radar, you know, like a it's antenna. Funny I, I imagine you as like the David Arquette type with all the me- the Megadeth posters, yeah, and yeah, shit hanging around, and you're just fucking <laughs> surfer goon. Like, yeah, maybe I'll get to interview less than Jake and talk about their smelly fucking feet. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a good time. It's, it's fun. funny. 
so funny, like, just, like, seeing, like, the corporate, like, that's how corporate radio looks like. Because remember when he's like, oh, we have to switch formats, the word came down from, like, above. And that was, that was also a very real thing, like, in, ra- like, quote-unquote radio yeah, land. Yeah, dude, where, the numbers, like, the numbers aren't there, yes, so we gotta exactly. transition and shit. Like, sorry, Joe Mantega, nobody's, uh, nobody's digging your, your thing anymore. And it's just like, eh, people are. It's just not enough. They always want more. How funny, dude. people show up? Uh... Yeah, how funny was it? Party concert thing. There's there's ton of people there. That's what I, I mean. We the... need to take over the radio station and become fucking legends, bro. Yeah. Small that's price how to pay when we become legends. Exactly. I'm into we'll just, it. We'll play concerts in jail. I honestly imagine we get out. We'll get out. We'll get out. Dry humping his base in front of a bunch of guys in jail. <laughs> I yeah, seriously can see that happening. I mean, if the mood struck, you know, the song was proper. I, I maybe, I don't know. I'm not much. I'm not much of a. I'm not much of an air humper. I just stand on my fucking tippy toes. You know what I'm saying? Tippy toes like, guy, kind of guy. twinkle toes over here. Twinkle toes. Stone. Yeah, yeah, that's true though. I know. That'd just be but really the, funny. I I I really like the fact that there's. I think that's the other thing that's what's so charming about this movie is like there's a lot of subtle fucking humor. Like Michael Richards, his entire side quest in this whole fucking movie is it's not a main focal point, but it it is just as much as everyone else. And him like scurries underneath the desk, (laughs) dude, eating the the funyuns and the ice cream. Yeah, Uh, dude, I'm at that seat right now. I like I like that he's I like that he eats the sub that's on the table. Yeah, he's just eating. Like he crawls up and eats a sub that's fat bite out of it. Listen, he was in the Merchant Marines, so clearly he knows what the fuck he's doing. (laughs) There's a lot of those little little like uh lesser important scenes that I like. Like continually showing the cassette in the road, how like the dude the fucking uh what the cholos are you know like bouncing on it with their hydraulics and then there's then that, the dog random dogs up. pissing on it and shit yeah yeah little things so i i wanted to ask both of you i don't know joe if you want to go first and then mike who doesn't make a difference i want to ask you because like we spent a time we spent we've spent some time talking about obviously the the big three in this right um the, the lone ranger the lone rangers as they were i want to know <laughs> You're gonna out of that? out of the <laughs> that was a great talk about callbacks and that's running jokes that was fucking bit. hilarious yeah that's the funny bit that you can be dumb as joey tribbiani and still enjoy that you know well, yeah but when kurt They're loader airheads, fucking dude. says it it's so fucking great They're like airheads. that's so great it's a great um, callback <laughs> it's a great callback when kurt loader does it and then yeah. he's like caught he's like how do you pluralize lone rangers yeah. like kurt loader, so anyway lots of faces I, I, I wanted to ask you guys, like, out of the supporting cast, because obviously we mentioned Michael Richards, like, you know, whatever, we're talking about that. Uh, what were some of your, like, who were some of your favorite, like, out of the supporting cast? Who were some of your favorite roles in here? Um, Dude, man, Ernie Hudson was, like, one of my favorite characters, man. Honestly, Ernie Hudson. Funny every time he came up, man. Just, like, he was so angry. <laughs> who doesn't love Ernie Hudson? It's oh, he's great. He's so great. great. Come on. So great. Honestly, I really love fucking... Uh, uh, Milo, fuck, I forgot his name. Yeah, fucking, uh, Michael uh, McKean. Yeah, Michael McKean, yeah, yeah, Michael yeah. McKean. His his scenes throughout the whole movie, especially when he's tied up to the chair, just rolling around trying to get out. Dude, he's just, just such like, a good like like wiener. Whenever he oh yeah, he's totally so good. Dude, he's so funny. Dude. Like I remember really enjoying. I always thought like he was funny, even though his character is like a like a prick. 
or whatever, just a wiener in this, obviously. But I always thought that role was like funnier than the than Michael Richards. Like I like the antics that Michael Richards is getting into, but I don't. I I'm never like laughing. Like he's just Kramer, you know. It's nothing really new to me. It was kind of just like, all right, whatever. This guy's in the fucking vents, and he's a fucking goober. He's a fucking douche. Should be on patrol for him. He's a fucking douche. <laughs> but like Michael McKean is, you know, you can't cuss on the air, and then they just fucking slap him or whatever. It's like, dude, he's just such a weenie. Every little yeah. thing he says is so funny, and in everything he's in, is so oh, funny. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes, honestly, it's just like it. It's fucking hilarious to me is when um that blonde chick is saying, "Can I sit in the chair?" And then he goes, Susie. "Well, that's not fair. She gets to sit in the chair. I want to sit in one." I just think it's sexy. And, <laughs> and, then, and then everybody goes, "Well, our fucking uh, Brandon Fraser goes fucking." Uh, all right, everybody gets to sit in a chair, but you. <laughs> that dude, yes. that shit's fucking hilarious. I dude, love the, that. The so way much. they pick on him and single him out because he's clearly dude. just like the with the fake ponytail that Steve Buscemi keeps tugging him with. Oh my god! Oh, so good. I love that so much, dude. It's hilarious, dude. It is really fun. Yeah, I think we should send out Yvonne, man. She's really nice. Well, I think it's sexist, don't you think? It's just like it's the opposite of sexist, you fucking goon. <laughs> I like the fact I, I like the fact that he's so like all right so he's a program director and he essentially develops what the content is that's going to be on like the yeah, radio. Yeah, and he's an he's an ad too. He sells sells ads. So ads that, that's what I was going to the money, dude. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, Breaking so you were in. talking about like weenies. I thought so that was weenies. so hilarious that like he's when he's in the actual booth poking he's it on, with his and nose. he's on the phone, <laughs> dude. He's on the phone trying to sell ad space. It was so fucking great because it's like, <laughs> god damn it, you epitomize like PDs and fucking salespeople like within the radio station because like I did both. When I was there, it's like I had I had my weekend show, but like I did I did like advertisements and marketing and promotions and all that shit as well. But like those dude, that totally encompasses like sell everything. Yeah, fucking a dude's on air farting. It's a yes. nine hour fart contest. Where we're gonna yeah. fucking sell gas X fucking ads. Get at least five like, minutes so of talking. So fucking hilarious. So hilarious, dude. So that, hilarious. That that uh that nicely um that nicely flows into what I was gonna lead into on like the. Not like the Stockholm syndrome, but just basically how half of the people like clearly change their minds as this movie goes on and how they actually like the guys, like the Lone Rangers, or they feel for them or whatever you want to say. Yeah, right, you know? right, right. Like even even Michael McKean, obviously Milo doesn't give a fuck and he's like, Oh, these these fucking loser like wannabe rockers or whatever. But at the point of when he's tied up and he's poking his nose on the fucking thing, like, excuse me, I have a radio station to fucking keep afloat here. Like, he doesn't even give a fuck that they have guns and are holding him hostage anymore. He's like, I need to still think about my future and keeping this fucking radio station going, you know? like It's all about the bottom line, man. It's, it's all, all about, about the that. bottom line. And then obviously, like, like Susie's fucking, she, she's down with Pip. He's hot. Drummers, Two Z's. Are hot. Two Z's. Two Z's. I get it. It's a thing. And then uh, obviously Joe Man Joe Mantega he uh, fucking with the giant baby bottle swats the <laughs> swats the real gun and he's like maybe we did maybe we did maybe what did he say is like maybe our demands weren't fucked up enough or yeah, whatever yeah, like maybe our demand you can't cuss on the air Lou Oh, just did <laughs> <laughs> no like yeah maybe they weren't weird enough so weird enough insanity yeah. later is just was not... did I see that correctly that fucking uh chris farley was scooping cottage cheese into a football helmet yes yeah is that something is that like a joke from something else i don't know i think they were just talking about the demands 
there's that the one scene that. where he says it really quickly. No, I got, I got that. I was just, I'm wondering if that was like something where it's like, yeah, you know, when fucking, I don't know, when fucking Kansas was big in the mid seventies, they would like, you know, Dude, request these the, weird ass, you know, the like brown, I know the brown it's, M&M. it's the brown M and M thing. That's what I always agree green M and M, green M and M, yeah, 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 whatever. It's shit brown. Put them in your butt and then they turn brown. It's the, I just equate it to the. Well, that's the, the rider. That's the, the rider. Yeah, that's how crazy bands riders are. Is just what I equate that shit to. But um, so, so do do both of you know why Van Halen did that? It was brown M and M's, dude. I'm pretty sure it was. Said, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure. You, pretty sure it was green. <sighs> pretty sure. It was either brown. way. Oh, I don't know. Either either way, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what did that? I'll tell a very quick story. I don't remember, but I've heard this before. So tell the story for everyone. Okay, so the reason they did that is because they had played a show and they had on the rider specifically mentioned we need a stage that can support X amount of weight. And the, the they showed up the the promoter and the the venue. Yes, we read the rider. Everything's all set. The stage ended up collapsing. And it's because they didn't read the fucking rider. So from that point forward, what they would do is they would basically right, right. they would put these weird. They would list all their their, their stuff. Make sure but they read in, it. in the middle in the in in the middle towards the end. They would put specifically details about M and M's. And if they would show up and they would get in the dressing room, they would see that the M and M's would be there. Oh, it indicated to the rest of the band. Yes, they have read through the fucking rider because it was a huge thing. It was this huge thing where, again, stage collapse, it created all these fucking issues, put people at risk, blah, 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 as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But when people make jokes, they're like, oh, they're fucking douchebags. It's like there's more to that as to why they did that. And it's actually fucking brilliant as to how they were able to fucking pull that off. I wonder yes. how many M&Ms Van or how many M&Ms Van Halen has consumed in, in all of their lifetimes. Well, you can't Probably none. Now. None. What they didn't we, even. We could ask David. We, I don't know. You I mean, I feel, like we, I, I feel like I feel like half the side? time. Were you on his side? Yeah, of course. R.I.P. Harold Ramis as well. Dude, dude. R.I.P. Harold Ramis. That was one. So, so we're already we're already talking legendary scenes, moments, etc. Uh, to, oh, so to, great. To, to list off more of mine, that's one of the ones I always remember. I think I think out of like pivotal lines from this movie, the Lemmy is God is always one oh, people remember like that oh, is okay. that's just a great little phrase and obviously the true i don't know the trueness of rock and roll uh, if you were really a fan with the van halen split thing like that's legit again whoever's writing this movie they did their homework you know yep i like that and then um so so i really like that uh just harold ramus who doesn't love two ghostbusters in a movie as well as i think one of my favorite scenes was always when uh Pip and Rex are just in the hallway, like talking about like uh being tough, and, yeah, and you yeah. know, he's all right up against the wall, thank you. And he's just like, Come on, man, and then he's and then he's yelling all that shit. It's just it's just so ridiculous. And fucking Michael Richards is like crawling above them, like, Oh god, he's yelling at them, Ugh, and just totally doesn't understand what's happening. I, I, I always thought that was really funny of just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stab them. Yeah, what are you gonna stab them with? Takes a my dick! my dick, and then he goes full on Sandler, and it's just like makes no sense. But I love it. I always thought I laugh every time at that scene. I laugh out loud. That's all I'm saying. Love it, love it. It's a good time. I like that. I I, I like the fact that like Adam Sandler it, isn't like 
super Adam Sandler yet. Yeah. But you can tell, right? but, but he hints, but he hints at where he's gateway, going, man. Yeah. Yeah. He hints exactly where he's going. And then like, obviously Chris Farley is just like, as far as those types of people where it's like, Farley, all right, we know dude. what you're going to become. He we know what you're going to be. He did Tommy. Yeah. I think maybe yes. Tommy boy was around. Uh, actually Tommy boy was like a year. Or two 90, later. Yeah. 95. Yeah. I mean. 96. Most of them were, but some of, some of the shit in the SNL days, obviously they were like, right around this time so it's just hey good great grand wonderful this is the first time he says that oh no shit that's this one dude he yeah that oh turn, turn fuck. This goddamn bus around yeah this is the first one yeah, besides yeah. like snl besides on oh SNL, yeah, yeah obviously this is the first like feature length time that he says anything like that you know he's uttered those words he's uttered one of the legendary farley phrases so let's give him give him his flowers because he's a fucking legend he's literally one of the funniest human beings to have ever existed ever yep. and i can't i can't just not love everything about chris farley all the time and how and how sandler always just adored him you know he that mm-hmm. song that he did in his special from a few years ago if no one saw the 100 percent uh fresh or whatever it was called the adam sandler special from a few years back it's actually fucking great like go watch it if you have not seen that it's him just returning to a stage doing doing live stuff he plays some songs some new songs he does a tribute to chris farley is one of the songs and it's really good and it's also just like a well-written song and he can and he plays the guitar pretty well you know he's a pretty mm-hmm. solid musician not just talking about putting on your yarmulke or anything or lunch lady land and shit lunch lady land this is a real this is a re- <laughs> i have one arm and my other arm is a hot dog it's just it's legit like he's doing legit shit and uh gotta give him that gotta give harold ramus his flowers for also being a legend legendary director screenwriter and actor egon spangler in everybody's hearts uh it's it's really cool how he just pops up for like a minute in this just because it was like hey we need we need some guy to play a legit looking record uh, who's a cop who's, who's a actually, fucking cop who's actually a cop and it's just like who could play this role oh i know i guess harold <laughs> really random just little like tidbit of like how do they get these little people or not these little people how do they get these huge fucking stars to like show up as these little roles in this movie you know like how had lemmy become a part of this and like fucking kurt loader and like mike judge like what? Like what's going on? How did that? How did that all come together for this random fucking? That's a good. Video? I mean, David Arquette. Question before David Arquette blew up, dude. This is like three years before Scream. So even even that, it's just like wow, all over the place. Yeah, that's true. I guess I didn't think about that with David Arquette, but it's kind of the it's the same exact thing as with these other people. It's yeah, like, he wasn't even there yet, man. He yeah. didn't meet Wes yet. He didn't meet one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> seriously changed his life i mean come on he met his wife and everything or his i guess not anymore but wife of 20 something years right 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 so you know meant a lot dude had to get there somehow you think it was like we need this this role of dwight i think that random surfer guy with the bleached hair and airheads would really be good as that role there's no way that crossed anybody's mind dude when he's looking when he's looking through like that magnifying glass and playing the fucking Sega game gear was so so fucking hilarious by the way fucking (laughs) did either of you own a fucking game gear no i did not okay game boy guy fucking 
six double A batteries. You want to know how fucking bullshit that is for a small child to have that and locate that? You know how many remotes you're robbing and how many people you're pissing off? Six double A batteries, dude. The fuck is the remote not working, Lou? Six double A batteries. Now, mind you, it was what? the most intense graphics on that small ass screen, though. It looked badass, dude. Uh, the, I, had, I had Sonic. I had Sonic for it. And it was fucking. It looked oh, beautiful. Sonic. It looked beautiful. Um, but it was. It was actually. It was tough to play because um, one of the things that makes Sonic infinitely better than Mario, fucking unpopular opinion, but one of the things that Snap. makes Sonic infin- infinitely better than Mario is it's such, such a fast paced frame rated game. So like when you get going in Sonic, you're moving quickly. Hey, on a moving. small fucking on a small screen, it's very hard to see where you're going because you're just you're going just as fast, but you don't have a TV. You literally have a Game Boy size screen that you're looking at, you know? Um and I'm not talking fucking like Game Boy color size. I'm talking like brick Game Boy sized fucking whatever. A one by one screen or two by two screen, but full rich colors, dude. It's it's awesome. Game Gear was great. Just a fucking power drain on batteries. Pain in the dick. The early nineties, baby. Hell yeah. Drain. They needed a. Why couldn't they just like turn that into like two two D batteries or something? Is that is that not (sighs) enough? You know, isn't that the equivalent? How does that? I mean, dude. Something probably like that. Yeah. I had to put the D batteries in my fucking Hess trucks, that's for sure. And all they did was light up and make noise. <laughs> no one uses fucking D batteries outside of Hess trucks and fucking vibrators. I don't know. Yeah, like, in the 90s. Just like, what the fuck? Smoke alarms or whatever, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Before yep. the 9 volts came in. I don't know. They're yep. just, like, so not used anymore. Everybody's using those... Uh, those either double A AA or triple A like round things that kind of looks like it could be a D battery. And you just put them inside and then you put that shit in, you know, like flash and everything. Yeah, Damn, that's true. So. Like think of anything I own personally that uses like a D battery. I know. I was literally just thinking about it. Like, I don't think so. I don't think I have any of that. That's wild. Trying to think of some of the other like sequences in this movie that I really, I really, really enjoyed. I think, I think what I liked is the subtle nod. I know we were like taught, you were mentioning like, Oh, you know, die hard. And you actually can see the building and yeah, stuff in the background. Nakatomi building. Nakatomi Plaza. What, what I think was really cool is that literally Michael Richards is detective John McClane, like basically crawling through, crawling through the, the vents the entire fucking time. He knows and what a TV dinner feels like. He does know what a TV dinner feels like. And a giant, you know, fucking Neapolitan the ghost, have a couple of drinks. tube of, of ice cream on his fucking head. Briars, baby. Briars. Oh, it is Briars. Is it, the Briars? It, Briars. Briars. it is Briars. I've, you I've are stocked correct. that enough in my life to know, but the, I, the I do not doubt you. was probably Neapolitan. So you're right. We're both right. Yes. Well, no, you're more right, but it's it's definitely it's definitely Neapolitan. I saw I was that. Triggered by the briars. It's okay. What what flavor? If I, we ordered Neapolitan a lot in our house, what flavor would sit the longest and people would not touch it? Strawberry. Joey. It's he's gonna to... fuck. He's gonna say fucking vanilla because his family's like, yeah, I like strawberry or something weird. Dude, I was the one who would eat the strawberry though. Yeah, I would too. I would. I would too. But that would be the last one I would eat. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I just first. Eat all three flavors, man. You would eat all three of them at the same time. 
like I'd separate them out, but like that I don't know. boy needs therapy, dude. You <laughs> need all three of them at the same time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no, 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 psycho! He slides a spoon through all three. Well, of he no, probably well, eats I, it with a fork and butt. Do you chew your ice cream, Joey? Do you chew your ice cream? Fuck no. I don't mean soup with all three flavors. I mean like it hurts my teeth just hearing that. There's another one, you know, like you chew on nails. You just like chewing on fucking screws for a living. <laughs> Why? Any, anyway, anyway, I'm sorry to to uh, derail there. Um, Ice cream. But yeah, yeah. I was just I was I was thinking about some of the the sequences in there. It's just like I, I I don't know. I I really you were talking about like you know that the the cassette tape that's floating around fucking L.A. everywhere. Yeah, it just um, keeps coming back. That's I like that one. The the fucking the you know the the gang guys just like kick it to the curb at one point and it loses some pieces. And the fucking dogs pissing on it, like it's just, just those little like callbacks back and forth. Same with like Michael Richards and the vents, you know. There's just a bunch of little funny things like that. Uh, I do really like the, the, I don't know what to call it, but like the Adam Sandler love of of black people or the oh pip, yeah, pip love yeah. like when he's he's talking to Yvonne, and then there's just the whole like, why don't black people like me? And you know. <laughs> Before that, he's got the whole, like, yo, I saw Anthrax and Public Enemy together, man. That shit was rad. And he's just like, don't call me bro, man. Like, Dude, that guy it. hated him. That was so it. funny to me. He was so short. That's he so was so true, short though. with like, him. It's he, so funny. He was trying so hard, though, that it's like, yo, you're trying so hard that it seems like you might be racist. But, like, well, he's talking to the guy. So, clearly, like, he's not, you know, he's being mm-hmm. nice. He's talking to him. I get it. I've been there. We've all been there. But, like, the one with Yvonne where he's just like. How's it feel when you go into a store and they're just looking at you like you're going to steal something? And she's like, that doesn't happen to me. Does that happen to you? And he's just like, no. No, like very quickly. I know, dude. And I'm just like, dude, like that's that's so funny because obviously, of course, that happens to black people. Of course, it's unfortunate and not cool. But also, if you're in a band and you sometimes dress the uh-huh. way people in bands dre- yeah i've gotten some looks sometimes dude where i'm just like come on are you serious yep like, especially in especially in restaurants or like hey, dude you know- I, I look like fucking McLovin. i'm like are you serious man you really think yeah just always like oh we gotta seat these guys and it's like it's a fucking denny's yes you have to seat us i'm sorry <laughs> that my fucking bass player has some weird tattoos on his arm man hey Hey, these tattoos are wonderful. Right? I don't know how to sum them up. <laughs> to them, they're weird. It's their perspective as well. I know, I know, I know. I got, dude, me, I got you, I got you, cool. I got you. I can't afford that shit. That's all I'm saying, right? <laughs> I can't afford skin art just yet. But Scar- I get it. Scar- <laughs> Scar- <laughs> Super villains here? That's cool. Dude, I smoke uh. a dread and I'll get high. But uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I, really, I really like his, like, his trying like all the time though how mm-hmm. he's he's always he's always trying to relate and like be cool with it and it, it seems very like 90s like yeah we're we're making our way to being to being tolerant you know we're making our way to to being better in the world and everything and then of course you know it's like 2018 and trump gets elected and everyone reverts and it sucks mm-hmm. and it's fucking stupid but like i i do enjoy the the little mentions of that as well as like uh the cop stereotypes i guess if if that works of all the police officers that we see the one guy who's just ragging about his fucking wife over the fucking phone to michael richards and he's clearly not fucking paying attention to him 
the pool guy. We got to get in there. The pool guy. And then we know that Pip was the pool guy, which is really funny. I like that. I do enjoy uh, a callback of like when they put the hot sauce in the gun and they're shooting it at people or whatever, and then they realize it's fake obviously or they realize the guns are fake and everyone's like running away but then steve buscemi still looks right at michael mckean and squirts it at him and he's like ow my eyes Ah! (laughs) (laughs) and just working at a toy store where he has a whole arsenal full of guns that were discontinued because they look so realistic they couldn't sell them anymore that's really ridiculous that's 90s right there Remember those toys when we were really fucking young that it was just like, oh, these things will just explode in your pocket if you leave them out in the sun for too long. Like, yeah, the 90s, the risks you take with having fucking kids. I'm going to buy them this fucking scooter and hope they don't smash their face open with it on a fucking gravel road down the street. Like, yeah, good times, dude. Lots of good shit like that. Those guns did look pretty awesome. Well, definitely the the one that that C. Buscemi had looked great the uzi the uzi looked the the uzi that brendan fraser had is looks like an uzi but it definitely like all right it's plastic the one that (laughs) dude the one that steve buscemi had actually looked like the first time he took the big one out i was like yeah when he damn dude that looks that looks like a real fucking gun dude that looks like a real gun they start just ripping on them saying that they're basically not real rock and rollers and i love how that's what drives him to pull the gun out he hits him to the core man so gets good. in the passionate core. Yeah, there's a lot of good, I don't know, just for musicians, a lot of relevant deep, little man. things. What's that, Joey? It hit too deep, man. It hit real deep, man. Hit me right in my core. Also, speaking of uh, hitting me in my core specifically, there is a nice, bright, shiny red Mapex that is shown Oh uh, yeah! Before they're gonna, yeah. I was, I was like, hey, I've seen those before. It's a little, little, little too bright. I go on the maroon size, but uh, I definitely knew a dude who had like a big City Horizon kit from like 2013 or something with like five rack toms. I'm pretty sure and an excessive amount of symbols that he would let me play every now and then. And it was like, all right, this is fun, but like, yeah, this is too much. There's way too much going on. I like it. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with all these things. And it was really nice. And then when fucking Adam Sandler like destroys it and everything, I'm just like, all right, well, I'm crying. I'm my insides. Dude, it I like really I like cool. I really want that set. I really like how uh, Brendan Fraser wants a PRS with the dragon inlay. Dude, that was yeah. fucking pretty dope. Honestly, I was like, and then oh, when he gets it, he's just like, oh. you're using real, like a real PRS. That's fucking dope. And then he smashes it. I know, and then he smashes it. It was just ah. like ah, these guys. Like those dragon, those usually, I, f- I feel like those dragon inlay like PRS guitars are usually like ten thousand dollars or some shit like that. Probably that be like a wow. fake check or some shit like that. Oh, dude, it clearly was not like real one in the movie oh, yeah. or something. You know, they just gotta. Yeah, I mean, if Chester Ogilvy is gonna fucking <laughs> wreck that shit's day, oh. Dude, that's hold just, on a minute. That's the other thing, though. When you're a musician and you see people wrecking their shit, and you're just like, "Yo, I'm poor. Like, I want that." Ah, <laughs> don't I do wanted... that, please. <laughs> Come on, Kurt Cobain. What are you doing, bro? That's a legendary <laughs> guitar, dude. Like fucking Kurt Russell in the Hateful Eight. <laughs> yeah, that's that true. guitar was legendary, and he didn't know, and then was like, "Oh fuck, I feel like shit because I'm Kurt Russell and I'm awesome." <laughs> The only thing I'm but, kind of tight about is Steve Buscemi didn't get a fucking Dan Electro man. That's the one thing he needed. I don't know if that was <laughs> uh, Rick and Bacher, dude. dude. He needed yeah, a Rick. Dude. Rick, he, needed yeah, a Rick. he needed a Rick, maybe. He needed, a Rick. he needed that Rick. He it looked like he had like an Ibanez or something. 
Uh, Don't know. Warwick, man. Yeah, it was what the brown one? Yeah, it looked like a. I can't remember, but I think it was a, like a Warwick or something. In the apartment, I think he had an uh, an Epiphone. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and then, yeah. Or some shit. But I'm thinking, I'm talking about like the one he wanted, like requested, and the one he had on stage that looked like a Warwick or some shit. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of like the very, very end. That other one, I don't know. The body looked like an Ibanez, but I don't fucking yeah, know. It was like that. that well. It was like that Ibanez, like Warwick looking type of shit. Yeah, that's why. Like I mean, I don't know. I knew the Mapex, bro. I knew that he had like an 18 inch fucking rack up there in the center for some reason. That's all that like, matters. That was all that matters. Yeah, dude, he, he was definitely definitely saw some A customs uh, up there that I was like drooling over. Like, oh my god, son of a bitch! That's like four hundred dollars for each symbol right there, man. My God, oh the things I would do, the things I would do. I wouldn't fart on a snare drum. There was there was one one to mention. There's the last there's the last thing I had in my notes that I wanted to bring up. Specifically, that whole sequence when we and you and you mentioned it when you're, you you mentioned Ogilvy, when they, when they find yes. out his real name and they yes. have that whole sequence where he's Gotta like, mention you know, se- I mean, I played Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. And- I played D and D too, man. Dude, hilarious! I picked like, my old boogers. Yep. I had, uh, I had short hair. I love like the short and like you know something that's clearly. Oh like- yeah, everyone's like fucking gasps and like, but the do my favorite was like I used to masturbate. Constantly, dude. And then they're like, "Great, yeah." And then obviously, the the, brother, we were all twelve years old. Okay, the obligatory like Lemmy, like I used to be the editor at my school paper. It's like, all right, man, hell yeah, definitely was too. Dude, journalism, hell yeah, feel you, Holmes. You know, you know, he did that for real. Oh yeah, that was definitely. Uh, I like, I like that though. I really enjoy the. Hey, we accept you for who who you who you are. Yes. that's just punk rock as fuck, man. That's punk rock as fuck. Yeah, dude. The, just the other realistic, like, rock and roll, whatever. Punk rock as fuck. Like, yeah, whoever this dude was writing this, he definitely put that scene in there to show you, like, this is this is what the passionate idiots in bands probably feel like, even though you think they're just a bunch of goons or whatever, dressing a certain way to look cool or whatever. Like, ah, man, maybe they really believe that deep down. Maybe that's really their thing. Maybe they actually mm-hmm. fucking like it, and they fucking live their life by that shit, you know? And that is a great scene, and that couples with because I don't think I mentioned it too much, but the scene where Brendan Fraser is showing the Grim Reaper tattoo, and he's like, "Death is following me," you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like I got to get off my ass and really make this band happen, and like you know, going to work every day or whatever isn't going to work. Obviously, that's a very '90s mentality, but like, he's putting everything he has into the music, and you can't really tell completely until that point. There's definitely. A moment where I even think after it happens, it's it, it, uh, the camera goes to Steve Buscemi and he and he's like, "Damn," or you know, he definitely yeah. like feels for his his homie that's in his band that he's like, "Man, this guy really does fucking care and wants to do all this shit for our band." And like Joe Mantega, obviously, like he completely shifts gears at that point and is like, "Tell him, tell the people what you got to say, Chaz." Mm-hmm. Like let a, and and he's officially like on their side at that point is what I think. Like he sees, you know what? These dudes, sure. They got guns, but they're fucking idiots. I don't think they're going to shoot me. They just want to get their message out there. They want their music to be heard. Like they feel like they deserve it or have earned it or done their time more than the sons of thunder who are a bunch of fucking plebs 
who we kicked their asses at the last Battle of the Bands or whatever, you know? Like, Talk about a 90s thing, dude, Battle of the Bands. Like, clearly, dude. I've been there. <laughs> so great. Still I've been there, too. You got to do it. It's unfortunate. Got to pay to play when you're a fucking kid, but don't do it anymore unless you're super fucking desperate, I guess. And, dude, or, it's know, funny. If you're that desperate, go hold up a fucking radio station like these guys with water guns. Let's be real. It's funny because, dude, EQX still does their Battle of the Bands thing every fucking year. So. Yeah, man, and there's no way anybody gets anything out of that. I mean, like, you get, oh, like, no. a free recording in a studio, I think, you know? Uh, you get air, like, you get airtime. They, they play you on their local access dude, thing or whatever. We just said, though, how, like, radio is dying. Oh, no, if so anything, like, you know... If, if we're doing anything with EQX, we're holding the station hostage and demanding exactly. fucking down. cottage cheese in a football helmet, you know, in a giant baby bottle. I want the yeah. giant baby bottle and some M&Ms. I can, the M&Ms can be whatever color, as long as you split it up between the pretzel ones and the crunchy ones and some OG. I, I mean, some peanut ones. Why yeah, not? Peanut. We don't Dude, the caramel the, we ones don't need, are crazy. Yeah, that's okay. We don't need those. Nope. Caramel ones. You ever try the brownie ones? Yeah, the brownie no. ones are crack cocaine, though. You can't do too much of them. You have to put them in your mouth with the regular ones and then the pretzel ones and the crunchy ones, and then just you'll be in M&M heaven, not a sponsor. That just sounds great. I know. It is. I've done it before. That's why I got those love handles on my hips for some reason now. Sugar! Oh, Jesus Christ, Mike. You're a goddamn twig. Sugar! <laughs> Come on. I will take my shirt off at the next show. None of us look like these skinny fucking dweebs in this movie, uh, man. No, no. I gotta lose some weight to be honest. Joey, you at twenty three, that, that rock and roll body man, have a mean beer gut like Lemmy already, and you look very rock and roll. I'm too thin to have a little bit of blubber. All right, I gotta look like fucking Pip. 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 My name is Pip from Great Expectations. I wanted I wanted to tell both of you guys. So it, you were correct. It was brown M and M's, but that story that I told is regards to the color. Yes, no, it's, you're right. It's, it revolves. That's once, exactly why they. Yeah, did. once you said it, I remembered. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is that is the reason. Great 2004 too. But yeah. What's that? I've definitely heard the story a few times before. About the brown. Yeah, I just forgot. I forgot for a minute. But um. Hello. Fucking. Maybe. Classic. Classic, dude. Yeah, good soundtrack, good movie. Heavy recommend. I don't think Joey has any meet and greet stories from anybody in this. Did you meet Ernie Hudson, bro? No, I didn't. <sighs> Loser. Loser. So I found an interview or an article, I guess, that featured interviews with a number of people involved uh, with the film. This was released through Consequence.net. Um, essentially it's called degenerated in oral history of airheads, uh, posted by Andrew bus or written by Andrew bus. He had a conversation or there was questions asked, uh, specifically what I want to talk about is Steve Buscemi, because I know that we all, uh, worship the, the, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mr. Boots semi, bus semi, um, so this is what, this is what Michael Lehman, who was a director had to say, um, and they were talking about kind of like, who are we going to uh, hire or cast to, to fill some of these roles? And he said, um, quote, and Steve Buscemi had done independent films and he was known in the independent world as a really good New York actor and kind of quirky <laughs> and odd. I had seen his work in a film called 20 Bucks that a friend of mine had directed, Kevin oh, K- no Kiva shit. Rosenfeld. Brandon Fraser's I- in it too. Yep. I thought, you know, this guy, we always see him in these edgy indie kind of films and roles, but but he's very funny. 
And I thought just the guy is so funny. I felt he could live in a slightly more mainstream comedy and kind of surprise people. The harder part was convincing the studio to cast him because in that world, they were kind of afraid of him. And then the, uh, the president of the worldwide production at 20th Century Fox, Tom Jacobson, chimes in and says, there was probably some pushback going, well, Steve Buscemi is a really good actor and he, <laughs> and he does darkly humorous stuff. He had done some Coen Brothers movies, but he hadn't done Fargo yet. Yep. So that was kind of like the the mindset of like Steve Buscemi, where it's like, we want this guy because like he's good. He's been in edgy films. This is kind of an edgy comedy film, but it's also extremely goofy. Um, so it's cool to see that there was that like acknowledgement from like, you know, the director from like, dude, the president of worldwide production at 20th century Fox, like they saw that in this guy at that point in time and acknowledged that. And they were almost kind of like a little afraid of him. Like, that's awesome. That's so like, you don't, I I feel like you just don't hear that type. I just feel like you don't hear that type of like feedback on Steve Buscemi it's always like no this guy's like the fucking Swiss Army knife he can be funny he could be a goddamn you know he can do anything but it's like to hear people speak of him in that regard at this point in his career like it's just I, I found right. it to be I found it to be 90s, pretty interesting that's found the to be pretty interesting. 90s uh, studio view or whatever of Steve mm-hmm. Buscemi like what mm-hmm. for real wild just, just from Miller Crossing and Barton Fink like okay sure mm-hmm. and 20 bucks because he was in fact doing fucking I think like uh, in the soup or like some other random indies. He did a lot of indies, did a lot of indies early. Still does, obviously. Right, right. But no, I, I wanted to share that. Everything. I wanted to share that with you guys. Does still... everything. Hey, man, we could just take time to worship that whenever we want. I think twenty bucks was like only a year before this, though, and it's one of those like it's like Crash kind of where there's a bunch of different storylines overlapping. It's about a literal $20 bill going through a bunch of random people. Brandon Frazier is one of them as well. So maybe that was like, maybe that coupled with it. Yeah. They're watching him and they're like, we need Brandon Frazier. He's our leading man. You know, there's no doubt. Interesting. Uh, I think John Cusack was like originally considered, which like wouldn't have worked. Super glad John Cusack's great, but fuck no, not in this. Never (laughs) would never in a million years would that have ever no just no so i i think it's cool they're probably watching 20 bucks and they're like who's this fucking handsome motherfucker with terrible teeth like he's definitely from new york yep and uh yeah i mean literally three years later two years later is like everything he's known for probably trees lounge fargo uh you, you know billy madison yeah like yeah. that's that's when it was like there's no turning back this is airheads is kind of like a year or two before he's officially like ba-boom blows explodes but like hey man those piercing blue eyes that are in fargo and all those other movies are clearly right here in this movie and it's just really good seeing seeing his like like you know his kind of like not a complete dickhead, but just like he's a little like little uppity of like a type of character where we've seen him play before. This is definitely one of the starts of that. And I feel like that's what you were saying with the whole like, let's see him in a mainstream comedy. Let's see him actually like be funny while being like a little outrageous and like yeah, let's see how he holds. Let's see how he holds up because we know he can do it. We yeah. just I think I think the other part of it is Fucking how are pe- I think the other part of it is is it's like 
apart from how the studio feels about it, it's like, I'm wondering if like the studio is like kind of nervous, like how is a larger audience going to accept an independent actor now on a main, in a mainstream movie? Yeah. That was the you thing know what I'm saying. Like dude, the lar- larger outreach. Separate. Yeah, exactly. They were exactly. completely different fucking world, man. I mean, even when we were doing slam and salmon, we're talking about broken lizard, like super troopers, totally in another realm, independent. They go to Sundance people like buy the movie, you know, that's what they've done for everything that they've done. There's no like studio behind it. It's just like, let's, let's do this movie and see if somebody wants to buy it. You know, very entourage. Uh, Oh, if anyone, uh, if anyone, has seen that show motherfuckers we might have written songs about some of these things just maybe maybe so you can hear those on our spotify and bandcamp and apple music it's all out there yeah do it so that's all the love it's all the love we can give you get everything out you need to joey you good i think so i feel pretty good you feel pretty good pretty pretty good. good So then that will have to lead me into the facts section of the classic first thing we got to mention. That's a nice, lovely fact. Indeed, the Lone Rangers hit single Degenerated is actually a song by 1980s punk rock group Reagan Youth. For everyone who didn't know, because when you look in the soundtrack credits, it is credited as the Lone Rangers. There is no mention of Reagan Youth on the soundtrack, but it is which is weird. Reagan Youth, and they recorded a single for this with Brendan Fraser doing some vocals as well as the guys in the band, you know. But that's basically it. They did like there's like a single for this. Like it's probably is pretty rad soundtrack for a movie, you know. Like it's one of those ones where like. Oh, you can't fucking hear Superman by Goldfinger unless you buy the Kingpin soundtrack. And you're like, what the fuck? That is just ridiculous. Like this one, if this was the only way you could hear one of those songs, like there's some good songs in this movie, man. I get it just for, uh, we want the airwaves, you know? See, it's, it's interesting that that is how they did it with the soundtrack because like in the credits of the movie, it is credited to Paul Bajika and Dave Rubenstein, which yes, is but obviously David Sturgeon and Paul Reagan Cripple. Youth. No, it says written by them, and it says performed by uh, the Lone Rangers. The Lone Rangers. Exactly. So it's like they give they give the proper credit to the original writers, but the performance. So it's interesting that on the soundtrack, it's like, nope, we're giving you the band covering the song, but we're not even going to mention the original band. I know that right? created. It's just exactly I, I, there. There was there was some fallout, by the way, from that. I didn't really want to get into it, but there was definitely some fallout, like legal stuff with that. With Ray um, Youth, yeah, yeah there, 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 there was there was there. Um, dude they're punk rock man this is a big movie and it's like if they're not gonna get their due that's what a fuck ton of people were doing in the 90s like you think no effects heard anything about the two seconds when he holds up white trash no no nobody i bet you guys didn't even fucking notice that but you didn't notice the spinal tap fucking poster i didn't notice the spinal tap poster i noticed like a straight the, there was stray cat stickers. I mean, there was so many fucking stickers like oh, all over the place. Dude, yeah, radio obituary. Yeah, it's obituary. I saw that about fifteen times. There's that uh, Pablo Honey uh, poster at Radiohead. And, uh, yeah. David Arquette's got the Megadeth one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic. No, classic. the the, uh, the thing is, like, I know that we've like kind of talked about it. out of like the bands that came out of that time. I know Joey is like a very very much into like New York City hardcore and stuff like that. It's like Reagan Youth for me was like that was a band for me in high school that was like obsessed 
because the whole story around him is just extremely fascinating. But like specifically with Dave Insurgent, like just himself, but like they were just such a powerful fucking band to come out of that because they were not as hardcore per se, like street punk. I'm going to smash a brick. Like they were very like they were very socially aware um and they they did a lot for like not only like advocacy but they were very much like open to singing about like you know nuclear power is really fucked up. it just all that type of shit so like they were they were uh, kind of an anom they were anomalous in a sense for like um for being know, so outspoken and do you know another group that was very similar for being outspoken and sending good messages would be public enemy yes. and I do believe now that Fat Mike was watching this movie when he wrote that he's listening to Public Enemy, Public Enemy and Reagan, and Youth. Reagan Youth. Yeah, exactly. Both in this film, oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're both like known for just not writing about bullshit, trying to get a message across, like Chaz says, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I, I I like that. It's cool. It's so it's like to me, it's like also what makes this movie special. It's like oh, yes, aside from like. Aside from, yeah, they're in a radio station. I work in a radio station. It's like, you know, they're, they're punk rockers. They're a trio. Like, yes, I fucking love that. But it's like to, to feature, even though there was weirdly a fallout between like Reagan Youth, it's like the song, their single is degenerated by Reagan Youth. It's just like, and it's cool to say that. I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking awesome song. And then it's like, but they had legal issues with the studio. It's like, that would fucking happen. The corporations, man, are fucking know, destroying right? shit. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> can't but it's even like, be surprised. Can't, can't even be surprised at that. But uh, but yes, continue with facts. Sorry. Not to, I didn't want to derail the our screen about Reagan Youth. But like, nah, that you know. was, that's why I was like, let's do that one first. Because that one can still have maybe some discussion. Uh, I don't know. A lot of other ones we've probably hit. Uh, I think there was a bunch of bands considered to play um at the at the the live scene and shit uh i think cannibal corpse was and then producers found out that they were in ace ventura which (laughs) they did same year they didn't want to double up on them do you know how much exposure that would have been for cannibal corpse man fucking jim carrey's favorite band so he yeah dude buffalo man yeah we can fucking (laughs) buffalo we can definitely find somebody else not from western new york maybe but uh so white zombie came into the fold um, That's awesome. I think there was like another band somewhere too, but I don't know. There, it was uh, just like the the rock and roll high school thing. Like there was other bands considered before was they got to White Zombie. Slayer in this somewhere. Slayer. Oh. Slayer. Tony from Slayer wasn't he in this somewhere? Like Dude, in the crowd. Maybe. He might have been. I don't know. I feel I don't. Like I don't know him by space. I feel like all the people that screamed something out were like. <gasps> involved in something you know yeah was he the masturbator he might have been the masturbator yeah. <laughs> incessant he... masturbating that sounds about right yeah that's a good one i uh another <laughs> little another little thing we brushed over but is good because i knew i had the fact here uh when one of the times when Chaz goes outside and is in front of all like the, the crowd of people you know the fans he says they've got the guns we've got the numbers feels very you know, not like forced, but it feels like he didn't make that up on the spot. He did not because that is from the song Five to One by Yeah, by the, the doors, doors, man. Great yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Some people don't fucking know. That's what the fact section's for, Lou. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
Uh, another another one filmed at Fox Plaza, twenty one twenty one Avenue. Of uh, the stars, Century City in L A, California. That is where Nakatomi Plaza and Die Hard is. Hey. And <laughs> we got some mention of Lemmy and how Lemmy is billed or credited as Lemmy Von Motorhead, which is really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that one. Um, this this says here, I, it's like f- around like 43 or 44 minutes uh, when they're collecting CDs, you can see the Spinal Tap poster, uh, which is, no you know, shit. there's a lot of cool ones, but obviously that one just doubles down because Michael McKean's also in this movie, which mm-hmm. he is... Uh, very much known for probably is one of his still biggest roles has to be Spinal Tap just because that movie's legendary. It would have been great if the if the Spinal Tap poster they had in the wall was the Smell the Glove album cover because it's just <laughs> black. It's just a black square, so it's like, oh man, did you see the Spinal Tap? Did you poster? see that? No, it was, what are you it was talking big, about? The big silver, like the cover with. No, no, no. I know, I know. I just I'm making a joke about Smell the Glove, like. I know. But that would have been that would have been great if it was like, oh wow, cool Spinal Tap poster. They were all holding bass guitars in this one. Nice. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh Big so, Bottoms, um, baby. Yeah, dude, yeah. Classic movie. That's another good talk about like mo- movie sp- musical spoofs or something. Yeah. Documentary music. One of the, be- one of the best mockumentaries, dude. One yeah. of the best. One yeah, of the one best. One of the best. Um so this was the final film to use the 1980s 20th Century Fox logo, believe it or not. Oh, Ironically no enough, when they changed to a CGI logo, the debut movie was The Scout, which Brendan Fraser was the main character in, baseball player guy. Weird. Uh, not as not as great. Yeah, not as great of a movie, but weird. They like Fraser. Got it. Cool. Weird. Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. <laughs> um, which is a. F- which is a fact right here. The line, great, grand, wonderful, is uttered by Chris Farley and Billy Madison. It's uh, funny. I think we can all make that connection. So Hell yeah. here's one. I'm not like 100% sure on this because I always thought KPPX was maybe riffing off like Caro Q or something. But apparently it's um, it's relating to KNAC 105.5 Pure Rock, which was in Long Beach, mainly because it went off the air shortly after this movie came out because it was a rock heavy metal type of format. And they use the slogan. If it's too loud, you're too old, which is what Joe Mantega says at one point when he's cranking it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I just thought that was kind of weird because within like a year of that, this actual radio station was then replaced by like a Spanish language state station. K B U E que buena. Buena radio station. Ah, no yeah. shit. That's a funny one. Yeah. So you know, again, radio stations transitioning. Fucking happens, man. It fucking happens. And this is the first film with Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi. Didn't need to be a rocket scientist, but some people are gonna be like, "What? I'm look. I'm going on IMDb right now. This is bullshit. No way." <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it. Unless Steve Buscemi was in fucking Going Overboard, which I doubt. Yeah. Um, so when Rex gives Ian a CD and tells him to play track two, it is the song I'm the One, which is the Van Halen song. But in this movie, it's performed by four non-blondes. And when you get the Airhead soundtrack, it is track two on the soundtrack. So maybe hey. Steve Buscemi was just handing him the soundtrack. Think about that. That's pretty cool. Meta, breaking all the walls. The fourth one. Especially. Especial. Especial. Um, yeah, so um, who's the fucking... 
Who's the guy who originally said... Oh, I guess uh, that's an Anthrax song. He's playing London by Anthrax when he says, if it's too loud, you're too old. And uh, the guy who originally did that was Ernie Anderson, who was a promotional voice of the American Broadcasting Company from like 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah, so that was just like a little... Little one of the, you know, welcome to KNAC. If it's too loud, you're too old. Here's motherfucking anthrax, but you can't cuss on the air. So, you know, similar. Uh, I think, oh, here it is. I think Metallica was, uh, they also turned down playing the, the thing at the whiskey, the white zombie scene or whatever, which was ironic because they were just on the, quote, riding the high wave of success of their 1991 self-titled Black album. So... You, yeah, we can all feel how yeah. you want to feel about that. I don't really listen to Metallica or care about them, but um, they apparently their like second gig ever was in 1982 at the Whiskey. At so the Whiskey, just, yeah, that's yeah, where they like got their fucking. That's where yeah, they got their. That's where they got their shit. thing. So it's just kind of funny that they're like, "Nah, we're not going to do this a year later for this movie," and it's just uh, like, "Hey, man, we're trying to get realistic, trying to keep it as real as we can in this in this fictional movie." So that's that tracks for them. Yep. Um, here's another little story similar to the Van Halen one for anyone who doesn't know. I actually knew this one, but there's a brief mention of Vince Neil from Motley Crue killing somebody. And for those who don't know, in 1984, while the band Hanoi Rocks was taking a break from touring, they're lead or they're taking a break from touring and uh, they're hanging out at Vince Neil's house for a party, you know, getting crazy, mm-hmm. doing band things. They're all homies or whatever. I guess that's all hair metal music, you know? Uh, yeah, definitely a fart on a snare drum for sure. If you guys like the show Peacemaker, <laughs> just a warning, the soundtrack fucking blows. So great show, terrible fucking soundtrack of annoying hair metal music. And, and, and look, not, not look, it, this goes without saying, but like, whatever, people can listen, whatever the fuck they want. Like we, exactly. just, have, we just have our opinions. This is our opinion. And- and we're not the indecisive about we're not indecisive about these things. Drink. But it's cool. Drink. But it's cool. Fucking like whatever the fuck you want. Listen to fucking literal farts on snare drums. It's cool, man. I'm just happy you're listening to music, even though exactly. it might not be our cup of tea. Anyway, right? Snare drum sounds like it sounds like exactly like you'd imagine, Joey. If you've ever it. if you've ever farted on a floor before, it probably sounds similar to that with a little bit more reverb because of the fucking snare. Let's ask Johnny Knoxville. I'm sure he's done it. Yeah, actually, I could see. Or maybe him. Dave England see. to be. Or or maybe poopies. Anyway, let's ah. fucking continue. 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 Anyway, I don't want to talk about dude, that shit. Fucking Hanoi rocks. They're hanging out with Vince Neil. So the drummer Razzle Dingley, Nick Razzle Dingley. That's uh, a, that's a name. That's his nickname was Razzle apparently. Dingley. So, he's the drummer. Yeah, I mean, just call him Sparkly Dick, like Razzly Dingley, like dude, Jesus it's, Christ. It's, it's fucking. Hell I, man, know, man. I, know, I know, I know, I know. Hey, listen I to can't... the old music you want. This guy's name is fucking Dingley, <laughs> Dingus. Also, Steve <laughs> Buscemi calls Adam Sandler a Dingus at some point, and it's legendary. That's the yes, he does. First, it's one of the first Dinguses I've ever heard in my life. Anyway, yeah, Vince Neil driving drunk, kind of crazy. Uh, maybe not as much. Definitely killed uh, Nicholas Razzle Dingley in this car accident that he has when they're going oh, to get shit. more fucking booze. And that's the whole reason of how Vince Neil killed somebody. He also left the two people in the other car when he crashed into them with lifelong injuries, basically. But of Jesus course, Vince Neil walked away with a concussion. 
and a two point five million dollar fine and serve fifteen days in jail. Uh, you know, he's had hey, some rock shit. stars don't go to jail, man. Yeah, man. He for fifteen days he did, but he also had a daughter that died when she was like four years old. So Vince Neil wow. had, a, had a pretty fucked up life. If you guys ever watched that movie, The Dirt, sure. Uh-huh. I watched it because Jeff Tremaine was the director and I love all things Jeff Tremaine, but Motley Crue, that movie. Yeah. Anyway, just watch airheads. If you were curious (laughs) about what Vince Neil did though, that was what happened. He basically killed the drummer from Hanoi rocks by being a fucking drunk idiot. So don't do that. Everybody in case you didn't know. And hey, in case you didn't know this also, the t-shirt that Rex Steve Buscemi is wearing is from the Roadkill Cafe in McLeod, Montana. Hey. It's time to play a game. Game. <gasps> now, let's do a little uh let's do a little weird algorithm so that we can decide who can play this next legendary game that I've been waiting to play. For a very long time. All right. Who do you guys think is number one for the wheeled out weird algorithm as of this moment in time? As of this moment in time, uh, wait. Who does? Do you want us to just yell out whoever? Yeah, I mean, you guys can use the same person if you really want, but I'm imagining you're not going to because there's so many people in this movie. Right. Um, I'm gonna go with Sandler. Ooh, I want to go with Brandon Fraser. And thus, you guys are pretty smart because those are the top two. But the Fraser is numero uno. Ooh. What? <laughs> guys, yep. I've been in a movie in fucking 20 years. Yeah, Doom I, Patrol. I Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Same, oh, reason, same reason the chick from Slam and Salmon was up top. Doom Patrol, motherfuckers. Yeah, but the Sandler at least is He was dumb, also like... in No Sudden Move, Steven Soderbergh's movie from last year. He's going to be in a new one coming up. So, got to do a little more homework there, brother. I don't I don't I don't he I don't, hasn't, he hasn't I don't frequent I don't, I don't I don't frequent IMDb as much as you do. I I give you props. I, 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 like I frequent HBO Max, which has Doom Patrol and No Sudden Move on it. So, that is how I know. It's a Don Cheadle movie, bro. I'm gonna watch Don Cheadle movies. You you but are the you are the movie geek, my friends. We you know are the movie geek. Sometimes you gotta. Steven Soderbergh is a good director, so I watch stuff that he's in. Ocean's Eleven, baby. Hell yeah! But Harold <laughs> Ramis squeezed into number three, and then Steve Buscemi, and then David Arquette. Wow, Harold Ramis eked out fucking Buscemi. Damn. I think people have been looking up the new Ghostbusters. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And Steve Buscemi, honestly, I'm not surprised, though. Remember the character actor game? It's literally all or nothing. Either people have no idea who the fuck they are, and they never look them up, or they're like, who the fuck was that guy? And they're at the top of the list. So it's a complete fucking mind fuck when it comes to character actors in the weird algorithm game. Where, where was Ernie Hudson? Um, so right under David Arquette is Michael Richards, and then Ernie Hudson, and then Michael McKean, and then fucking John Bender. Judd Nelson, yeah, and Rob Zombie, and then it gets uh, then it gets a little crazy. Joe Mantega, Chris Farley, Alan Covert, Mike Judge, way at the bottom, way at the bottom. Damn. Also, Chris Farley would like never be high up though because everyone knows who he is. How many people right. are going to be looking him up? Let's be real. Like, mm-hmm. at least on IMDb, how many people are going to be looking him up? So, um, oh, 
Congratulations, Joey. Congratulations. Joey, you get to go first in the next game. That's all that means. It's a bunch of bullshit. Don't fuck it up, Joey. Don't fuck it up. Fuck. All right. Guys, I've been waiting to play this game since, since I met you guys. And as we oh, know. Oh, man, I already know what this is going to be. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. The name of the game, my good sirs, is Now Bushimi, Now You Don't. Oh, shit. And this is where I will list three movies for each round. Whoever gets priority gets to guess the first one, and then the other person has to go with one of the other two because that's how we decide it. Usually these games are for three people, and we only have two. We can constantly get fucked. But as our god... Steve Buscemi would have it. He's in a lot of movies. A lot of fucking movies. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to list three, and one of them he is not in. Ooh. Joey, are you ready? I'm free. So, your three movies, one of which Steve Buscemi is not in, are 20 Bucks, Big Bear, and delirious. Um. So guess which one you think Steve Buscemi, our Lord and Savior, is not in. Uh, delirious. Lou, that leaves you with twenty bucks or Big Bear. I'm gonna go with Big Bear. Big Bear, he's built real tough. Big Bear, he's all enough. He's Big Bear. He's Big Bear. Joey Lewis. Uh, fucked. <laughs> Delirious is a Tom DeShillo movie in which he is a photographer. Oh, shit. Come on, man. Yeah. 20 bucks was somehow, <laughs> somehow mentioned earlier, so that kind of yeah. made it a little... You know, we might have mentioned some of these, so um, we're gonna go, man. Hella rounds, hella rounds coming up. Uh, Lou, you get priority now because you got that one right, though. So, all right, your three movies to choose from are one, The Death of Stalin, two, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and three, The Dead Don't Die. What was the second one? Drop Dead Gorgeous. I'm gonna go with Drop Dead Gorgeous. Joey. Out of uh-huh. the death of Stalin or the dead don't die. The dead don't die. The dead don't die. The dead don't it, die. Come on, man. What are you, Adam, driving at here? <laughs> it is drop dead gorgeous. Lou is correct. Figures. Those you haven't seen two... Dead Don't Die? Yeah, you haven't seen that. Yeah, I just, what am I going to say? The same answer? No, <laughs> no, no. It's no, just... but he's he's in that. <laughs> The, the way you said it sounded I, it, like you weren't sure. Yeah, but, I, I uh, thought, yeah, it sounded like... Those are, anyway, those are mo- two newer two newer movies he was in. Dead Don't Die is a Jim Jarmusch film. Jim Jarmusch, classic indie guy. So oh, yeah. that is... And Bill Murray, who he's worked with before. Bill Murray. It's a good right. one. All right, Lou, you, um, you remain. So your movies to choose from are, one... The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy, two, Ed and His Dead Mother, or three, Hector and The Search for Happiness. Christ. Um, nope, it's Steve Buscemi, actually. What was it? Very similar. They, what, they were both gods. I get what, it. It's okay. What was the first one? 
the search for one-eyed Jimmy? Uh, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the second one. Ed and his dead mother. No, I'm fucking kidding you. I want to go with the first one. That's my final answer. Okay, the search for one-eyed Jimmy is what Sorry. we're going with. I do not, Joey. Uh, yeah. You get to choose from Ed and his dead mother or Hector and the search for happiness. Uh, Hector and the search for happiness. All right, Joey, get some points, bitch. Nice. And his dead mother is one of the early Steve Buscemi-led films. Uh, he's very young looking in it. And Search for One-Eyed Jimmy is another very 20 bucks-esque ensemble type of indie film. Hector and the Search for Happiness is a Simon Pegg film. Yeah. Mm. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. That's the yep. truth. And the next round, Joey. This one is for you. Your choices are one, the real blonde, two, the big Lebowski, and three, the nice guys. Uh I'll go with the real blonde. You'll go with the real blonde, which means Lou's gonna go with the nice guys. Because it's pretty fucking obvious that Steve Buscemi is in the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Because that rug really did tie the room together, don't you think, dude? Mm -hmm. His little heart couldn't take it. (laughs) There's nothing to be afraid of, Donnie. They're nihilists. (laughs) God damn it, Donnie. You're out of your element. You're out of your element. My favorite. My background. Uh, you, You get it. The nice guy's favorite movie I love of mine, but the lovely character actor that's in that one is the great Keith David, not Steve Buscemi. Yes, sir. The Real Blonde, another Tom DeShillo. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, here's a fun one. Lou, you're up. There's only a two-point deficit. We got a few more, so you can come back, Joey. Lou, Oops. your prioritize guess of these let's, three. Let's do it. You get one, King Ralph. Two, King of Staten Island. Or three, the King of New York. What was the first one again? I'm sorry, they all had King. All three of them. Yeah, that's the fucking point. I know, I know, I know, I know. What was the first one? One, King Ralph. Two, the King of Staten Island. Three, King of New York. You got Ralph. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. I was. I'm gonna go with King Ralph. It's gonna go with King Ralph. And Jose Jalapeno on a stick. Jose Jalapeno. What's the, what the last one? The King of New York. <laughs> what's the middle one? The King of Staten Island. Ah, man. He was in both of those. <laughs> yes, Lou gets points. <laughs> Yay! Steve Buscemi in a New York movie? No fucking way. I no way. There's no way that's possible. All right, Louis Caboodis. Oh. Yeah. Your next round is one, The Wedding Singer. Two, the do-over, or three, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Mm, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. All right. Of the other Sandlers, the wedding singer or the do-over? I'm pretty sure he was in both of those. You need to guess one, my good sir. Uh, I'll go with uh, the do-over. Joey, you have earned points. Oh, really? He is not in the do-over. He is in Chuck and Larry. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right, Joey, you get to lead lead off in in this round. Let's do it. Your movies are one, Mr. Deeds, two, Grown Ups 2, or three, Murder Mystery. Uh, 
murder mystery. Then that leaves Mr. Deeds or the sequel to Grown Ups for Lewis. Uh, sequel to Grown Ups 2. You have nailed it by being wrong. It's murder mystery. Yep. All right. So, Joey, you yeah. get this one right. You can tie it up and Ooh. we can do a tiebreaker. If you get it wrong, Lou is the victor. Oh, shit. Your movie choices are one, Monster's Ball, two, Monster House, or three, Monsters Inc. Uh, I'll go with Monster House. Then Lou gets to go with Monster's Ball or Monster's Inc. I'm going to go with Monster's Ball. And Lou has won. Fuck! Damn. That one, that that I, I don't animated. think I've seen Monster House. I don't think I've seen Monster House before. They're both animated films. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Is that, I'm guessing like a DreamWorks thing or whatever. Um, I think that one might be DreamWorks because Monsters House is or Monsters Inc is Pixar. Obviously. Right, right. And that's Airheads. Thanks for coming to our Woo! music TED Talk. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Indecisive Opinions, old timers. Our next episode, can't wait to show you it, we'll be covering the movie True Romance from the 90s, Tony Scott classic. In the meantime, please listen to Lurking Class. We're streaming on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, etc, etc.com, alright? But we also have Instagram, follow us on there at Lurking Class Band. Stay up to date on all lurking class things. We are lurking class. We slay rock and roll.